We're in the last week of a series called Baggage. We started out the series talking about how life just has a way of putting baggage on our backs. Life has a way of burdening us down with things that we were never meant to carry. The first week I started out talking about emotional baggage and how we all have to deal with things that happened to us in our past and we have to deal with emotional baggage. And every week we've ended with encouraging you to stop carrying around things that you were never designed to carry. We're not designed to go through life carrying heavy loads. Last week I talked about addiction and how addiction affects our lives and how it burdens us down and how we were never designed to to go through life carrying around addiction. But what if your baggage is a feeling? What if your baggage is something that when you go to sleep at night, it's there? When you wake up in the middle of the night, it's there? When you wake up in the morning, that baggage is still there. What if your baggage is this feeling of despair? It's not just an an addiction where you can just discipline yourself and get over it. Or it's, it's not something that you have to go and work out in a relationship with somebody, but it's a feeling that's with you all the time, no matter where you go. try in a different body my next lifetime. Maybe I won't have so much pain, you know. Maybe I won't have so much pain, you know. Maybe I won't have so much pain. You might have looked at yourself in the mirror sometimes and said, is life ever going to get to the place where I don't deal with this nagging feeling of depression over and over? Is life ever going to get to the place where I can overcome this, or is this the way I just have to walk through life? Is life ever going to get to the place where I don't feel depressed, where I don't feel desperate, where I can enjoy life, where I can enjoy my children, enjoy my work, enjoy my husband, enjoy my wife? Have you ever asked yourself, is life ever going to get there? I'm not just talking about 
being down in the dumps or feeling blue. I'm talking about real, ongoing depression. How do you release that? How do you release something that maybe you don't even understand what it is? Do do you just pray more and get better? Do you just talk to friends more and get better? Do you just read your Bible more and then get better? Do you start taking medication to get better? What are the steps to overcome depression? Well, the first thing that we need to think about, if you're one of those people that have dealt with this month after month and year after year, is the first place we have to start is, is gaining understanding and knowledge about what you're going through. Now, if you're here today and, and you're not dealing with depression, you've never dealt with depression, just hang, hang with me. This message is for you too, and you can take something away from it. But primarily, I want to talk to people that are dealing with that nagging feeling of depression that just won't go away. And the first place to start is to gain some understanding. Proverbs 2 verse 11 says, discretion will protect you and understanding will will guard you. Depression is something that's real. It's not something that you've just made up. It's not just something that's going to pass with a few days. It's something that's real. It's really happening to you. And you know, depression is not something that's new. Even people thousands of years ago, even some of God's top people in scripture dealt with depression. Last week, you remember, I mentioned King David, the, the guy that beat, uh, 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 killed a lion, killed a bear with his bare hands as a boy, and then also as a boy killed this big giant named Goliath. David dealt with depression. David accomplished great things for God. He did wonderful things for God's kingdom. David also made some huge mistakes. David experienced God's forgiveness David experienced the consequences of his sin. In Psalm 6, verse 6, it says, I am worn out from sobbing. Every night, tears drench my bed. My pillow is wet from weeping. It sounds like David was crying himself to sleep every night. It sounds like he was dealing with something that put him in such despair that every night when he went to bed, he was crying. And every night, he probably wondered, how am I going to ever get past this feeling? You may have done nothing. You may, have, you may not have made a huge mistake to lead you down the road to depression. But you may be one of those people that every night you're wondering, is it ever going to end? Am I ever going to stop feeling this way? Is there ever going to be a time in my life when I don't deal with this feeling? Maybe you're wondering, has God forgotten me? Because you've prayed and you've asked God to remove that and you continue to deal with it over and over and over to the point where you've got to be wondering, I would, God, where are you in all this? I'm following you, I'm praying, I'm reading scripture, I'm surrounded by friends, but I still can't shake it. God, where are you in all this? David wondered the same thing. In Psalm 13, he said this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? What's your enemy today? Not, don't think of a person. But what baggage, maybe it's depression or an addiction or something else, but what is it that's triumphing over you? What is it that's got complete control of you? David goes on to say, Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But David goes on and he begins to think, you know, in spite of what's happening, in spite of how I feel, in spite of this feeling that I've got that I can't shake, verse 5 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. In spite of how he was feeling, in spite of how how you're feeling, in spite of what's happened in your life, in spite of what you're dealing with, God is still God. God's still a God of love. God still wants to rescue you. And that's the understanding that we need to have about our baggage, especially when it's depression. That no matter how we feel, God is still God. No matter what we wrestle with, God is still God. If you're experiencing depression or if you're living with someone, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your children, somebody in your family, somebody close to you is experiencing depression and wondering, is this ever going to go away? Or you're wondering, am I ever going to be able to shake this sadness? Well, know today that you can do it. You can get past that. It's not a lifetime thing. You can, you can overcome it. So if you're dealing with that or if you're living with somebody that's dealing with that, there is an end. It starts with understanding. I've asked Dr. Dan Blazer, one of my great friends, one of my spiritual mentors, to come and answer some questions and talk to us about depression and help us gain some understanding. Dan has written books about depression. Duke University professor, MD, PhD, highly qualified to talk to us about what depression is and how it affects us. Dan? Dan, a lot of people today might go to the doctor and get diagnosed with depression or say, I'm depressed. How do you see in, in your world, in your profession, the, that, that word abused or that diagnosis abused? Well, I think that what we have to remember is that depression is something that is a word that's in our language now and spans a very wide area. I think maybe the best way to get some arm around that wide area is to sort of think about types of things that virtually all of us go through, which is, you know, you get up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, uh, you don't feel good, you don't want to go to work, uh, you don't want to go to school, uh, you don't think any, you, you think your friends have turned away from you, et cetera, and then two hours later, a good friend calls and says, hey, you know, let's go to the beach, and you feel fine. Uh, that's kind of one end. The other end is what I see uh, when uh, people are really severely depressed 
And these are individuals who, this doesn't just happen in a day. To become pretty severely depressed, it takes uh, weeks, sometimes a few months. But it definitely, there's a sort of a start, and people know I've gotten a lot worse over the last couple of months. Some characteristics of that, they have difficulty sleeping. They often will lose weight. If they're younger, they'll often gain some weight in the process, a lot more than they would like to, but they don't have much of an appetite. One of the things that really distinguishes it is that they nothing makes them feel better. So the friend calls and says, do you want to go to the beach? It's just kind of like, no, I really don't care. But you could come and say, you know, you've won the lottery. And you might say, well, that's great. And uh, it's almost like nothing makes a difference for these individuals. And then they begin to think, you know, I, I, I just I can't feel or I feel so bad that I just don't want to go on. And that's when these thoughts of hurting ourselves come into our mind. Uh, we think about the potential of suicide, and that always becomes very serious. The, the one good news from where I sit about, uh, among other good news, is about where I sit in terms of these more severe depressions is they usually don't last forever. They they. And that's one of the things people need to understand. And regardless of how badly you feel, you're not going to feel that way forever. Do you think depression is a spiritual issue or a biological issue? Well, I've seen this debated uh, so often in my own profession of psychiatry. We're more and more looking at this as something that's biological. I hear ministers talk about it being a spiritual illness, and I hear them sort of, uh, sort of going at one another. Uh, that's the wrong way to think about it. Depression is many times biological, it's always psychological, it's usually social, and it's always spiritual. In other words, when you as an individual are suffering from depression, many times you feel it in your body. You can't sleep, you can't eat, you feel weaker, you have difficulty concentrating, it's always psychological in the sense that you just, you know, you look at things in a very negative way. You feel people don't like you. You feel guilty. Maybe you appropriately need to be feeling guilty. Uh, your friends don't like to be around depressed people, and so they tend to turn away from you, and you in turn will feel isolated. So there's the social part. But if you, if you have any kind of spiritual inclination at all, if you're depressed, there inevitably is the sense that God is turning away from me or my prayers are not going any higher than the ceiling. You know, most people, when they go to the doctor and, and tell the doctor that they're feeling depressed and they, you know, the doctor's probably thinking and when they hit some of those, uh, some of those things that the doctor ca- it causes the doctor to diagnose them as depressed, first thing they do is jerk out the prescription pad and write a prescription. How should Christians deal with uh, taking medications, and does a pill mean that, well, if I'm going to take this pill, it means I'm not relying on God to, to heal this? Well, I think that we really are fortunate to have some medications that can help the more severe depressions, and so we should thank God that we actually have medications for depression, just like we need to thank God we have medications for cancer and we have medications for diabetes. The medications deal with sort of the biological side of depression. As I said, many times depression involves biological or things that are happening in our bodies. And those, depre- those medications can sometimes help turn those things in our body around, and that in turn can help us to feel better from other perspectives. On the other hand, there are a lot of people taking medications that probably should not be taking them. Uh, and uh, so I think, you know, as Christians, uh, we need to think critically 
when a doctor just whips out the prescription pad and uh, wants to write a prescription, uh, something we need to talk to the doctor about. One of the concerns many of us have is that doctors don't spend enough time talking to their patients today, and that's why that prescription pad comes out so quickly. Uh, many, I think many times drugs would not be prescribed if there was a little discussion, but on the other hand, there certainly is a role for medications. Taking a medication for depression does not mean that you're not working it. Sometimes things are just, depression can be so severe that your willpower cannot bring you out of it. I don't care who you are. And I think God has given us a way through medications in those cases to try to get, overcome this so that we can get back to doing what they're doing. But does the, the medication solve all the problems? No. When people feel much better, they know they've gone through a crisis of depression and that really does sort of change the way they've looked at God, just like at the, uh, the young woman in the, in the film we saw just a minute ago. And given that, there's a lot of spiritual work that has to be done if somebody is depressed that has nothing to do with medicines. Okay. Um, I noticed in the, in the video clips, those people had something that happened to them that they said, well, my dad died, so now I'm depressed. What about the person that's had a good life, makes a good living, there's really no reason, there's no trigger, mm-hmm. and yet they still deal with it every day for, for no external reason at all. Yeah. What would you say to, to that person? Well, usually uh, an episode of depression is started by some event, but what really distinguishes the more severe and the depressions that really affect our bodies is that the reaction to that event is far greater than what you would expect to happen given the event, such as, you know, maybe there just was a little argument at work, and then you find yourself down in the dumps for the next four months and really down. I think that, but there are people who for no reason just become severely depressed. We think these are people who are more biologically inclined to become depressed. We also feel these are the individuals who families just can't understand. There's, they, and, and the person can't understand it. Why is this happening to me? The family's saying, we do not understand. You've got everything to live for. Why is this happening to you? I think in that case, that's where you, I think getting some medical attention can be very important. What about, uh, there's a lot of people here today that don't deal with depression, never have, and, and maybe never will, but they're living with somebody who has been diagnosed with depression or is depressed. What advice would you give to the to the friend, to the husband, the wife, the child, in living with somebody that's got depression? Well, I'll get one part out of the way. I think if somebody's suffering from severe depression, one thing a family member could do is certainly to get that person uh, to get some medical help. But at the same time, I think that if that person is hooked into a faith community like LifePoint, is getting them in contact with you or Rob or somebody who can kind of help deal with uh, the fact that this is not just one problem. It's not just a medical problem. It's a medical and a spiritual problem, and you kind of need to deal with it uh, with both simultaneously. But beyond that, a couple of things I think is helpful. For one thing, what does not help is to say you just need to get over this and feel better. If you're down in the dumps, that doesn't help, and it just frustrates you uh, as you try as a family member to help the person who's depressed, and it frustrates the person who's depressed. It says, you know, I'm trying, and I'm just not getting any better. It does help if you will encourage the person to get up and do things, even if the individual doesn't feel like doing it. And they, you say, let's just go to the mall and walk around for a while. And you, they say, oh, okay. So they get up, you walk to the mall, you, you go around a while, they come back and they say, 
well, I really don't feel any better. I don't know what good they are. Actually, that does a lot of good. Getting people back into routines of one type, going to the mall, going to church. Uh, if you can, go back to work and do some of the just rudimentary things at work. All of those things can help. Another thing that can help is to is for the family member to say, is to recognize, you know, I know you really are feeling down. I can't understand it totally, but I know you're feeling something that perhaps I've never felt before, and really having some empathy for where, what the person really is feeling, uh, recognizing this really is something that can be very severe. You know, um, in the video it also talked about how many teenagers and preschoolers even deal with depression or medicated because of it. What advice would you give to parents who... Uh, they're probably the ones that are going to have to recognize symptoms and, and take the first step because a child wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. know. What advice would you give to parents about it? I think giving a medication to a child is a, is, is a very serious decision, but there are children who become very depressed. I think in this case with a child, uh, it's, it's very important. If a, if a doctor recommends a medication, I think it's very important to get a second opinion. I think somebody else needs, you need to be, hear that twice before you sort of launch into giving a child a medication. And you should be thinking very carefully about how long the child takes that medication. Uh, Many people who are adults will take antidepressant medication for months and months and perhaps even years. Uh, There's a difference between adults and children. As children are changing, they're changing biologically, they're changing, they're going through some major changes in their lives, where adults are kind of more on an even level. And so giving a medication to a child is a much more serious and complicated decision, and I think parents need to be very careful there, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't necessarily use them on occasion. Last question is, uh, what, uh, what spiritual advice, because, you know, a Christian dealing with depression, they need to take that first step, they need to, you know, they need to do something, they can't just sit around and wait on it to get better. What, what's the first concrete step somebody could take that's a follower of Christ and yet also dealing with this illness? I mentioned two or three things. One, it's so easy not to pray when you're depressed because you feel God is not listening to you, but that's the very time that you need to go to God in prayer and say, God, I don't feel you. Just just be honest with God and say, God, I don't feel you're hearing me. God, I don't feel you understand, but I just got to tell you how I feel. That's a step. I think going to the Scriptures, reading the Psalms. Uh, you've, you've gone through a number of Psalms already. One of my favorite for depressed individuals is Psalms 31. David gets about as low as he could get in Psalm 31. But you can kind of see as that Psalm progresses that he, that he recognizes God's power as time goes on. And I think that's very, very important. And the final thing is that, again, with the severe depressions, there's always that dangerous suicide realizing that God will see you through this and realizing you're not going to feel, even though you you feel that you'll never get out of this, recognizing that I am going to get out of this with God's help. And even people who've been chronically depressed for years and years, it gets better and it gets worse. It does not stay the same the whole time, realizing it will get better and recognizing that God's going to help you to get this better, I think is critical. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. So depression is something that's real. And you're sitting here today after hearing a professional talk, after hearing me talk about it, and you're either thinking, well, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm not depressed. I don't really need any help. I'm, I'm not depressed. But 
Does anybody in here not make mistakes? Okay. I don't see any hands. Anybody not make mistakes? One more time. Okay. So everybody makes mistakes. Does anybody in here never feel down ever? You're up all the time. All right. No more hands. So I want to share a few things with you, primarily, again, for people that are dealing with this real problem of depression, but also for the rest of us that may not deal with that, but deal with a lot of other issues. And when you find yourself depressed, when you find yourself addicted, when you find yourself dealing with some emotional issue you think you can't get over, the first place, the first stop is to seek truth. Seek truth. And and finding truth, seeking truth, always starts with God. The road to healing for anything you're dealing with has to start with God. If you don't have God in the equation on your path to healing, if God's not on the road that you're on leading to healing, then you'll never experience it to the level you could had he been with you. If your marriage is a wreck, things are going on that just you don't even want to talk about or think about, and you don't put God in that equation to heal that, it'll never recover. It'll never be what it could be if God's not there. Having problems at work, problems with raising teenagers, problems with parents. You guys deal with that, you know. It'll never be as good as it could be if you don't seek truth. And that seeking truth means putting God in the equation. Because the truth is God wants you to get better. God wants you to overcome depression. God wants you to overcome your addictions. God wants you to overcome the emotional baggage you carry around because of what happened in your past. God wants your marriage to get better. God wants to help. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God is about finding broken people and healing them. God is about reaching down and finding people that are hurting, that are depressed, that have messed up, that have been messed up by somebody else and touching their lives and healing them. That's his whole reason for for sending Christ on earth is to take care of the things that we can't take care of, to lift the bags from our back. And God will walk with you. It's his specialty. People, that's what God specializes in. And when we're dealing with issues, when we're dealing with depression, you heard Dan say, you know, you may not feel like getting up, but get up anyway. So don't go on your feelings. Can anybody relate to your feelings getting you in trouble? Oh my gosh, you know, I I mean, the times when I just rely on my feelings and I don't look at anything else, I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble and made a lot of mistakes. So we can't just rely on our feelings. And if you're depressed, if you're dealing with some emotional issues, some addiction, you can't fix it on your own. So you have to do the next thing, and that is seek help. The fact is, you were created to need other people in your life. And a lot of people could get better simply by sharing what's going on with a friend. Just getting in a relationship or relationships and sharing what's going on in your life, 
that could get a lot of people better and never have to go the route of medication or doctors. Not everybody, but some people. Our tendency is when we're dealing with something difficult, whether it's depression or something else, our tendency as humans is to withdraw and to feel sorry for ourselves and feel like I must be the only one that this is happening to. And we look at other people and we think, Don't, why can't I get the breaks they get? Woe is me. It's, it's, life is terrible and I'm just going to withdraw over here by myself and just deal with it. In the Old Testament, there's a story of one of God's prophets in the book of 1 Kings, and it's Elijah. And Elijah had this big battle with evil on this big mountain called Mount Carmel, and he defeated the gods. He defeated the Baal gods. So all of Baal's prophets, and Elijah was all by himself, and he won. They had this big contest to see whose God was the greatest. Elijah won. The one true God won. And he experienced this great victory. And then the queen got upset with him because she followed Baal. Elijah followed the one true God. She got mad and said, if Elijah's not dead by this time tomorrow, may the gods deal with me ever so severely. So what did Elijah do? This, this woman threatened him. He had just defeated all these hundreds of prophets in this big display of fire on top of this mountain for all these people to see. And this woman threatens him, threatens his life, and he runs. He runs away. He goes alone. And he gets by himself. And he starts to feel despair. And he starts to feel fear. You can't run from your problems. You, you can't run away from them. They, they'll follow you. They'll go wherever you are. You've got to get them out in the open. You've got to seek help. You really were not designed to live alone. So if you're going through life alone, without relationships, without people that you can talk to and people you can share your life with, you're not going through life the way God intended. You were designed to live life in relationship with other people. That's why over and over and over again, you hear me talk about it, you hear Rob talk about it, get in a life group. Get involved in some smaller community other than this big room. Get involved with people's lives so you can develop relationships so you will have a place to seek help when you're beginning to deal with issues. And talk to anybody in this room that's, that's heavily involved in their group and they're going to tell you how great it is and how their group's the best. There's no other group in church like their group, right? Don't Some of you think that about your group, like, hey, ours is the best. We got the most spiritual people. Ours is the best group. Need to come and join ours. Talk to some of those people, and you'll see that being involved in a smaller group, in a community, can change your life. And if you're dealing with depression or some other issue that's got you down, that will help. That will be a huge step in helping you deal with depression or anything else. Now, a lot of people say, you know what? I'm not into that group thing. I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to pray. I'm, I'm going to just, me and God, I'll just be with God. God's in my group. So me and God got our own small group and, and we pray and I read the Bible. God speaks to me. So that's all I need. Remember in, in Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, uh, you know, God created what? What God create? Heaven and earth. He created everything. 
the water, the fish, the, the sand, the trees, the dirt, the rocks, the, all the animals. And then God created man. So there was a time when there was one God and one man. One God and one man. So if there was ever a time one person had God's undivided attention completely with nothing else going on, it was Adam. But God looked at Adam, and instead of saying, oh, just me and Adam for all eternity, look at this man I made. He's not going to ever need anybody but me. All he needs is me, and there's Adam, and there's me, and hey, things are going to be great for all eternity. Adam and the animals. Sounds like a band. (laughs) But God looked at Adam, who was alone, and what did he say about Adam being alone? He said, it's not good. So you were not designed. It was never in God's design for you to be alone. It's not good to deal with issues like depression or addiction. In fact, you can't deal with it alone. You need to seek help. So Elijah runs off into the desert. He's alone. He's waiting to hear from God. He's feeling sorry for himself, saying, I'm the only prophet that's left, and, and they're going to kill me. They're after me to kill me. And never mind, God, that you just wiped out thousands of, of, of all these other prophets, and you, you made fire burn in a water pit. And, but they're going to kill me, God, and I just feel so bad, and I just need to hear from you. And, oh, gosh, life is terrible, God. He's off in the desert all alone. And then this this earthquake comes, this storm comes, this wind, and there's all this chaos and all this noise and all this awesome power displayed. And, and you would think, that must be God. That's awesome. It's powerful. It's great. It's loud. That's got to be God. But none of that was God. And it says in 1 Kings 18 and 19, when Elijah was waiting to hear from God, that God was in the gentle whisper. And the question you should ask yourself today is, what is God whispering to me? What is it that with all the stuff going on around me, with all the things that I'm dealing with, what is it that God is trying to whisper to me? This is our last week on this topic, baggage. What has he whispered to you throughout the last three messages that you need to let go of. What's he saying? Let it go. Let me have it. Get it out of your life. What is it he's whispering to you about and encouraging you to let go of? The last thing that I'm going to share with you we can do is seek rest. Great men and women of God experienced depression, addictions, lots of issues. Women who wanted to have children couldn't have children. People made huge mistakes. People felt desperate and alone and like God had deserted them. Men and women have dealt with depression, even men and women of God, forever. Jesus came to the earth because he knew that we're going to be dealing with stuff. He knew there were going to be things that we deal with and we get burdened down with. And you fast forward 2,000 years from the time Christ got here to now, he, 
He knows that you deal with things. He knows that you're depressed. He knows that, that you deal with addiction. He knows you deal with emotional baggage and, and trying to get over things that have happened to you because of somebody else. He knows every insecurity that you have. He knows every piece of baggage that you've picked up and wrapped across your shoulder and said, I'm carrying this thing through life. I'm just doing it. It just looks good on me, so I'm carrying it. He knows And listen what he says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Seek rest. Don't carry around the baggage any longer. Seek truth through looking for God and putting God in every equation for healing. Seek help through other people. And seek rest through giving Christ your burdens. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, give your burdens, give your addictions, give your depression to God. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what to do. You know exactly what steps to take. But some of you don't know. You're thinking, give it to God. What, I mean, is he back there at the door? Can I, can I hand him this on the way out? That would be pretty cool. Or just do I need to say a prayer and then it's all gone? Some of you don't know how to release that and allow Christ to take your burden and give you rest. That's why every week over in Theater 2, there are some people that would love to talk to you, to pray with you, to put you in touch with other people that can talk to you, that can pray with you, that can get to know you and get you either professional help if that's what you need or get you involved in relationship or just listen or just pray. So every week, everybody's invited to go over to Theater 2 and seek some help. And God's in that equation, and finding rest is in that equation. When we look to God and say, God, I'm going to give you my baggage, all this stuff that I've accumulated throughout all of my life, and God, I want you to have it. I want you to take it away from me. He will. And then he'll grab hold of you and he will not let go. People let us down. Things let us down. God won't. And God will never, ever let you go. What is he whispering to you today? What's he whispering? Let go of this. Let me have it. I hope you found the strength to whatever baggage you're carrying around to let it go and let him have it. Let's pray. God, thank you for the way you made it so clear that you do not desire for us to go through life carrying baggage. And God, I pray for the person that sits here that, or persons that just feel like they cannot go any longer, that they can't take one more step, that, that life is just too difficult. I pray that you would just encourage them, let them feel your presence, surround them with people Help them take the walk over to theater two and learn how they can give you every care, every issue, every problem and begin the road to recovery and healing. God, thank you for being willing to take our baggage. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.